host of this show, Max Naist, lived in addiction for years and made lots of destructive choices, which resulted in losing friends, family, and his career. After being in jail for the fourth time, he knew he needed to make some big changes. Now, sober for 17 years, he shares the steps he took, which led to recovery and got his life back. Welcome to Fearless Happiness. 19.7 million American adults have battled a substance use disorder. 38% of adults have battled an illicit drug use disorder. But no matter what the struggle, no matter the challenge, you can overcome anything and become successful. Max and his guests share experience, strength, hope, and faith. If it's PTSD or military-related, trauma, physical, verbal, sexual addiction, alcoholism, you can accomplish your dreams. And with this show, we help others be fearless in their pursuit of happiness. This is Fearless Happiness, and this is Max Naist. All right, good afternoon, good morning, or even good evening, wherever you are in this world. This is Max from the Fearless Happiness Podcast. Coming to you today with a, I'm getting to know Nick over this uh, network that we all belong to, that him and I belong to. And when I tell you there's a bunch of amazing human beings, Nick is one of those. I was happy when he said he would come do my show. So people, today we have uh, my friend Nick Wingo joining us. So what I'd like to do, Nick, is have you introduce yourself. So tell my audience like who you are, what it is you do, and what it is you do and where you come from and how this show is going to go today. Like they want to know who you are. Yeah, absolutely, Max. I appreciate the opportunity to jam with you, brother. I appreciate you bringing me onto the show. I, I really enjoy these conversations. So thank you so much for the invite. So my name is Nick Wingo. Uh, I was a firefighter for 18 years. I suffered a significant amount of loss in my career. I, I, I had 10 friends that I lost, five to suicide, five to line of duty deaths. Witnessed thousands of deaths, you know, dead children, murders, suicides. I mean, you name it. I I saw a lot of it. I, I don't ever say that I've seen it all because every time I say that, I would see something else and be like, huh. What I do say is that I'm not, there's nothing that really surprises me anymore in my life. There's nothing that really catches me off guard because I just realized that um, all the stuff that you think that could never happen definitely can't happen because I've witnessed it time and time again. And so through my career uh, and my significant amount of struggle, I started to struggle myself and I started to have suicide ideations arise. And that started at towards the end of my career, about the last year of my career. There was a couple of altercations I had with people who uh, attacked me, assaulted me attempted to assault me. I had a, a large partner with me at the time. So there was really no assaulting just because we were able to handle the situation quickly. However, uh, it still weighed on me heavily, just understanding that the environment had changed from where being a firefighter, you were loved and respected and transitioning into this and being a firefighter that people didn't really like you anymore. You were a part of uh, the government and there is so much stuff of people hating government right now. It's uh, it's been a, a massive struggle. And, you know, our first responders are suffering. They're dealing with all kinds of pain and suffering. And really, it's it's not the firefighters' fault. It's just that these people, and even really the, the, those people, they're just in really difficult situations, right? And so they just don't know how to uh, get out of those situations, and they let those situations control them. Through all that, I landed up in treatment myself. So I, I uh, got taken offline. I, I looked at my partner one day, and I told him I was having nightmares. And he said, that's not good. And I said, I know it's, I've been struggling with sleeping. I spent like the last three years of my career sleeping about two hours a night on average, even when I would go home. 
because I was having these nightmares. I was just having a significant amount of struggle with all the stuff from work. He told my captain, and the captain came to me and said, like, hey, it's time to time to take a day off. And I said, perfect, great. I'll take a time a time off. You guys want to give me a free free day? Awesome. I love right. free days off from work. Right. But that, you know, I, my dad died shortly after I came offline, and I realized how much I had been locking my emotions, my feelings, all my stuff, all my crap down for my entire career. And that all came spilling out. And that's when the suicide ideations really started to come on heavily. And uh, I knew that I just, I needed to get help because I knew I didn't want to end up like my friends. I had saw what that did to friends and family, and, and I knew that I just couldn't me. So I went to treatment for 35 days, and while I was in treatment, with um, really deep dive with my counselors, my doctors, we all came to the agreement that it was not a good idea for me to go back to the fire service, that it was not in my best interest, nor in the best interest of the public, because I had taken on enough. And there was no more room to to add any more stuff, because I had so much stuff to work through to even get to a point where I could be living somewhat of a normal life. And so when I got out of treatment, I made it my mission to really rediscover myself, figure out who I was, you know, figure out where I was going in my life because I had created my identity in being a firefighter. And when you create your identity, your complete identity in something, coming out of that and recreating that identity is a, is a difficult, painful process. And so I mm-hmm. uh, went out and I was I was on a ton of medications and I went out and, and seek treatments to get off those medications. I got, got off those, those medications. Uh, and then I, I really went out and just was looking for stuff that I could do on a daily basis to help me. And that's when I bumped into breath work and I started breathing. And through breath work, I have been able to uh, cure myself of asthma, rid myself of uh, a lot of inflammation that I've had on my body. I'm the healthiest I've ever been because of the breath work. And additionally, um, it's led me to this place to where, you know, I still struggle with stuff on a regular basis. It's something that is going to be, as as far as I can see in the foreseeable future, I'm going to have struggles because this stuff that I have that from the past is heavy stuff. Right. It's stuff that just doesn't go away. Not like that. Right. And there's right. so much that it's going to be a constant struggle for me. What, what, I, what I do know is that I have the tools necessary now to work through that. And so with that, now what I'm doing is there's a few things I'm doing. I, I coach breath work. So I go out and do um, breath work sessions at retreats. I do them online where I work with people online. And then I also host my own men's retreats. And then uh, just recently, here coming up soon, I'm going to be hosting a marriage retreat with my wife because we are bringing this work together, me and my wife, so that we can share this work with other people. So that's kind of a little bit about who I am and what I am doing currently. I knew there was a reason that I had you come on the show, not only because of your past of being a firefighter and and doing that stuff. But we talked about you and I, when we got on a call about the breath work that you practice, right? And there's someone else in our network that does that. I don't know if you know her, Dr. Nicole, but pardon me. Yeah, I'm familiar with her. I've I've bumped into her a couple of times. Okay. So you know who I'm talking about. So now now I've had two of you that are talking about this breath work, right? And I'm sure there's people that you talk about this breath work, right? And they look at you like, how does breath work help you, right? But until you do it right and practice it, which I'm like a beginner at it, but the more you do it, the more you realize, right? Like, so one of my practices is mindfulness, right? And just being present and denying any thoughts that come in when I'm trying to meditate, right? Where a lot of people think, well, I can't quiet my brain. Well, none of us can really quiet our brain. Absolutely. For a long period of time. It's just like, even, maybe the, I, right. Even maybe the best seconds, right, right, maybe right. Seconds, but not a long period. Because even the, those uh, Tibetan monks, right, that do it all day long, tell you that they can't quiet their brains, but they just practice long enough 
and like mindfulness. And then, but what I'm fascinated about, and I'm glad you brought it up, right, Nick, is that breath work and how it can help you a number of challenges. I like to say, I hate to say problems, right? Because challenges, I know that if I go through a challenge, I'm going to get through it and I'm going to get to the other side. Explain to the audience, right? Because being a firefighter, as you know, there's a lot more to it than that, you know, the glamorous look that they give on TV, like in a show, right? Like, oh, we're saving lives all the time and we look cool. It's more to that, right? I was a paid call firefighter years ago when I was trying to get onto the fire department. And the things I saw are still with me today. Some of the accidents I were on, you know, the uh, the TCs, as they call them, and, and watching kids being extracted from cars and, you know, stuff like that. You know what I mean? That And that was only a few years, right? So I can only imagine what you went through for 18 years. So like tell the audience, like some of the the challenges and stuff that you have gone through and then how that breath work has helped you overcome those things that have stuck with you, right? Because like you said, like in the beginning, five friends that have passed away from suicide, right? I have a brother that took his own life six years ago, and I still struggle with that sometimes thinking about like what I could have done different. And I mean, I know breath work will help me. So I'd love to hear how that all came about. Like, how did you find out about it? And then in practicing it, share with the audience how it's helped you come overcome some of these physical, emotional, and, and spiritual challenges. Yeah, absolutely. You know, the, the breath work, to start out with, the breath work, I kind of just bumped into. Uh, I, I originally, I bumped into Wim Hof. And so Wim Hof, he's like the masculine man, right? And so that was me. I was this very masculine man who, and I'm still a masculine man. I, w- I was in a past and I'm still a very masculine man. There, that has not changed. However, I have learned how to embrace the lover within me. I have learned how to bring out my my feminine side as well and embrace that as well. But I bumped into Wim Hof and I started doing Wim Hof and the breath holds. I was just noticing how much I enjoyed them, uh, how much peace it brought me, how it just really grounded me. And so I just started doing it more and more and more and more because I was at this point in my life where I was struggling with anxiety, depression. I was struggling with all these things from the fire department, from the, my past. And so I knew that I, was, I, I needed something that I could use on a daily basis to work past those things. And so when I started the Wim Hof breathing, I really, my intent was to just work on the anxiety, the depression, all the stuff that was arising from the fire department. What I didn't realize was all the health benefits that I was going to get from it. Um, What I started to notice is I used to have asthma. My asthma is gone. I have not had any problems with my asthma for months. I mean, it's been months and months and months that I've had any type of lung issues. And I attest that to these breath holds because I I went from... uh, Let me ask you real quick. That's amazing, right? Like that you have... And that you mean no inhaler. You have pretty much gotten rid of any of that asthma that and the symptoms that come along with that through your breath work practice? Yeah, through the breathwork practice. So I have been practicing daily breathwork for about 18 months now where I've done it every day. Uh, I've, you know, I've missed a few days here and there, but my, my, my daily practice is it's an everyday type of thing. I'm pretty committed individual. And so when I get into something, I do it every day. And so if you expect to get rid of your asthma, just after doing breathwork for a week or two, I'm here to tell you that's not going to happen. That's not the way it works. However, consistency over time, Yes, my asthma is completely gone. I was I was a person who was on Advair, which is a daily preventative. I was using a nebulizer um, at least two to three times a week. 
I was using my inhaler on a regular basis. So I was somebody who had considered to be significant asthma. Oh wow. And I don't I don't struggle with that at all anymore. I haven't used an in- inhaler or an arbuterol or advair for months and months and months. I mean, I think it's been seven months since I've used anything for my breathing. And I truly attest that to the breath holds. Because when I started out, I was only only able to hold my breath for maybe 30 seconds. And now my breath holds are much longer than that now. Wow. You know, I hear that and I just go, wow. Not only is it part of your practice, but it's that consistency and that mindset I think you have too, where you, when you set out to do this, you're probably like thinking, I'm going to get rid of my asthma when I practice. I'm going to make sure that I do this, practice it, because that's amazing. I mean, I have asthma, but it's not bad. Like, I only get mm-hmm. that type when I get a cold or like that upper respiratory, then it's okay, I got to break out the inhaler and, and do a couple puffs here and there. But I know people that are always on their inhaler, right, because of their asthma. And so now I know where to direct somebody when they're, they want to learn how to do it. I'm going to go, I know yeah, a guy definitely. named Nick. Nick will help you get through this. You know, that's interesting, right? Like how we find our past, whatever our way, like you're like, for instance, your way to recovery, right? From your fire department days and your struggles and stuff like that has been breath work, right? It could be addiction or whatever. And that's why I love uh, interviewing guys like you, Nick, or people from all kinds of backgrounds, right? Because I want to give people the opportunity or my audience, right? To see that people can overcome their challenges. And I want them to see how people do it, right? Like, if you find whatever works, you find it, right? And like you say, you pra- it's got to be consistent and pr- you practice it every day. Uh, and that's what I love, right? You're not just coming on my show and going, yeah, I got rid of my asthma because I did breath work a couple of times and it worked and blah, 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 right? What we have to show people like with anything, right, is it takes consistency and it takes practice, whatever you choose to do. So what are some of the other, I mean, it's tough, you know, and I, I keep thinking about when you introduced yourself and Again, I like to say thank you for your service because you put your life on the line for 18 years, you know, and you got to see best of the best. You got to see the worst of the worst, right? And and like you said, that takes a toll over time, especially when for your firefighters, right? You're on the job more than your home half the time, right? And you're, you're those are your brothers and or you know now your brothers and sisters that you're on the job with, and and you guys go through these horrific calls with each other and. Right. I don't know when they started it, but like I, I went on one call and I think this is when they started. I don't, you probably know about that critical stress debriefing, right? After a call, like that's been really stressful. Did they have that back when you started in the fire service or was that later? So that came, that was implemented later, which is, uh, you know, that's a, a big reason as to why I have so many struggles is because early on, there really was not a lot of uh, stress debriefing. There was not all this. The mental health stuff really has not even started to become a thing until the past two years. You know, I'm one of the, I mean, there is there is a lot of us that are starting to stand up now, but I am definitely in the early phases of firefighters standing up and going, hey, there's something messed up here. I, I can't do this anymore. Right. Really in the past five years is when we've seen people really starting to stand up and go, hey, um, something's wrong. Something's wrong with me. Something is, this is outside my normal, the way I would operate. And so it's, uh, yeah, the, the stress debriefing has been really, I didn't see those. Um, I think the first one I saw was probably about eight years ago, uh, eight or nine years ago, Okay, maybe, you know, so probably about halfway into my career is when I really started okay. to see um, those, those stress debriefs become really a, a thing where it was more of a, a formalized thing rather than just uh like, hey, you doing okay? 
Right, right. Because that are you know, like that used to be the case, right? Back then, when you first started, it's like you knew what you're getting into. Just suck it up and let's go to the next call. Boom. You know what I mean? Yep. And that, that's unfortunate, right? Because that human brain of ours, whether we believe it or not, remembers all that stuff, and that's what takes a toll. Like I don't know if you're familiar with um, EMDR therapy, right? It's supposed to help with like stuff you've been through, the calls, you know, like that PTSD. Right. Because that's why you're probably having the nightmares. If if I'm correct, it's from all the yeah. calls you've been on and, and all the things you've seen and the things that happens with your friends. And right. It's supposed to help re compartmentalize that stuff that has gone on. Right. Not. And then people don't realize that's not just for people that went to war in the military, but it's for firefighters who have seen, you know, horrible stuff long term. It's supposed to help. Right. What I've heard from therapists, there's other stuff you should do along with that, right? Like I've heard breath work from therapists that I've worked with. Get into breath work. It really, really works, right? Do your therapy. You know, when I've heard them work with clients, right? Do this EMDR along with some meditation and breath work. But like, here's the thing I got to say, Nick, is I've been hearing about breath work probably the last four or five years. And even in drug and alcohol treatment, right? Where therapists are working with clients. They would tell me, uh, you can't come in, we're, don't bother us because we're working on some stuff and we'll be doing breath work and we don't want to be disturbed, right? Because once we get into it, we can't like just stop and go back and stop and go back and still stop and go back. So how were you introduced to breath work? Like, what was it that, was it in treatment when you went to treatment or was it afterwards? But how were you introduced to breath work and when you knew, and then that aha moment when you realized, this stuff really works and it's going to help me become a better person. Yeah. You know, for me, it was just, I just bumped into it. Like it was because I was, I was actively seeking ways to get better. And so my wife was doing yoga, you know, and I had done some yoga and I had done a little bit of breathing techniques, like box breathing and that type of stuff. But really I just bumped into it. I started doing the Wim Hof. And then from there I went to, and then I, I really started to be like, okay, this stuff is pretty cool. And so I went down to Tulum. And I did a five-day retreat in Tulum of conscious connective breath work. And while I was doing conscious connective breath work, I was, I was blown away. I was like, holy cow, this stuff can really get you down into a subconscious level that I had never been into. And so when I was doing the conscious connective breath work, I was just blown away. And then from there, going from the conscious connective breath work, then I found Soma breath work, which is one of the ones so I, I, right now I, I coach on, on conscious connective breath work. And then I also coach on Soma breath work and Soma breath work is, it is kind of takes the breath work into this whole new level where you add in music to do rhythmical breathing to the music. So it's like the binaural beats where it's, it's producing, getting the, the brain waves moving into the alpha theta. And then it also incorporates breath holds and, and ohm chants. And I mean, that has been game changer for me, just really into a really deep meditative states. Okay. Cause what I, what I'm hearing then there's just different levels of breath work that you can do different types there's, of breath work. There's just different modalities, right? There's okay. different ways to do it. There's, there's all kinds of different ways. There's a lot of people do just a lot of different stuff. There's just basic breathing techniques that you can use day to day when you're having anxiety or when you're having stuff arising. Right. And then there's, you know, these hour long sessions, 90 minute sessions, there's, there's all kinds of, there's holotropic breath work and there's oh, just a wow. ton of, different, yeah, there's a ton of different styles of breath work that you can get into. That's awesome. Somebody doesn't like a certain one. They can always look up a different type and, and work with that one. Correct. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, absolutely. There's a whole bunch of different ways to breathe. 
That's the beautiful thing about our breath is we've, it's, you know, it's the only thing that we consciously control yet unconsciously still happens. I know, right? right? It's, it's, <laughs> it's unconsciously we're breathing, but then we can consciously control it, which is this beautiful thing because our, our breath is what controls our heartbeat too. Like the rate at which we breathe, like when you're inhaling and exhaling, your, your, your heart rate is increasing and decreasing. Right. right? And so it directly affects your heart rate, which then affects everything else. Gotcha. No wonder in early recovery, they'd always tell my sponsor and stuff would tell me, Max, breathe. I want you to take four deep breaths in, count them. You know what I mean? Because it would slow me down enough. Like if, if I was in that agitated, anxious state. And by the time I went through, like, say, two or three cycles, I'd be like, okay, I feel better. You know what I mean? Like, because I yeah, slowed my breath down. And even I recognize that, too. Like you said, the unconscious part, right? When I first started doing jujitsu a long time ago. I remember my my instructor would go, Max, you need to breathe. And I guess I would be getting into the fighting so much or the rolling around, right? I would hold, I would unconsciously start holding my breath. And then I'd wonder why I was so tired at the end of the practice or whatever. He goes, because dude, you're not breathing. Like you're, you stop breathing, control yourself, control your breathing. He says, you watch any of these good guys that go, they must be do breath work, right? Because you can see how they control their breathing as they go. You know what I mean? Because their matches are 10 minutes long or whatever, and they're going at it. Sometimes I've seen matches 30 minutes long, you know, and then I'm like, I would have died after the first 10 minutes. You know what I mean? Because I probably would have held my breath. I would have passed out. But I mean, you've explained to my audience, Nick, how like it's helped you kind of transition from, you know, being a firefighter, going through your struggles. Let's talk about how they've helped you overcome anything in your personal life, right? Because, you know, I mean, you got, I, I'll be honest with you. I, I know from what we've talked about and what you've talked about earlier, all that stuff that happened to you while you were on the job, right, had to have rolled over into your personal life and affected your family. Not that you did it on purpose. It just, it's yeah. what happens sometimes. So just, they're just, it just happens. It's just part of it. Because here's the thing is when you have post-traumatic stress, you don't even realize how you're spilling out on other people. And so right. my wife was my kids were affected, the anger outburst, the shortness, you know, the not wanting to be around any people, secluding myself, all that stuff affected my family deeply. And so really, the breath work has actually become a really connective thing for my family. Um, That's something that has been a, a huge benefit, because as I have been doing the breath work, like one of the cool things with the breath work, I do with the Soma breath work, is that it's to, to music. And so uh, I get to play the music with my family. And as I'm learning to get deeper into it, I've been doing the breath work for them. And it's become this very connective thing with my family where I have uh, done it with my kids, with my wife and brought deep connection. Um, you know, the other thing that the breath work has done is just really given me the ability to just slow down because I spent so much of my life in so high speed. If you're a firefighter and you're listening to this, you know that firefighters are high speed. That's just how we roll. We're constantly in this state of got to be out the door within 60 seconds, got to be here, got to be taking care of this, got to be taking care of that. And we want to be fixing everything. We want to be taking care of everything, right? That's just part of the job. It's part of what we do. And so really, when you just lean into your breath and you slow down and you learn how to be present in the moment, that has been the biggest thing for me is just the ability to just be right here right now, because my brain was always somewhere else. I was thinking 10 steps ahead. I was thinking about the, how I was going to handle the next thing or where I was going to go or how I was going to deal with that. And so having the ability to actually slow myself down has been huge for me. So huge for me. And that's awesome, right? When you can slow down and, and be present, especially for your family, like your wife and your children, right? 
funny when you talk about Wim Hof, right? I think he is the uh, the guy, one of the people who started mindfulness, which teaches us to slow down and be more present and to be more aware. And what I like about that, it teaches me how to, like I said, when I'm trying to meditate, right? Sometimes I have good days where I'm on a roll where I can just do it really like smoothly. And then as you know, sometimes there's days where these thoughts just randomly pop into your brain and you're like, hey man, I'm trying to meditate here. Please stop, right? Mm-hmm. He teaches, right? And mindfulness teaches us that, that we accept it, we acknowledge it, and then we let it go, right? And it's like the breath work, right? You can't take your next breath until you get let go of the last one. And I've mm-hmm. loved that. And that's helped me slow down so much. And not only in, in like doing this with you in this interview, but like working with my clients, being more present for my wife, right? Because I can slow down and not always want to be on the move to go, okay, you told me I needed to do this. So I'm going to go over here and do that. And she's like, wait, wait, wait. So I just got home. I want to see your face for a minute, you know? But I know what you mean. Like I have, I still have a lot of friends who are, are firemen and you're right. They're, they're always on the go. They're always like, I got to go do this. I got to do this. I got to do this. Right. But it's what we're taught. I did go through the fire academy and I was at, you know, even though it was paid call, it was like, you had so much to get dressed to get on the engine and be out on that call, right? And then it's the same thing on a call, right? Whether it's a a heart attack or any type of injury or or even fire, right? You have so much time that you have to make sure, right? Especially if the victim's involved, right? And they're injured, right? And you got to be quick, right? Time is is of the essence. Right, because you you want to make sure you keep them alive, right? Yeah, exactly. You know, I mean, fire doubles in growth. it, It doubles in size every minute. Right. So every minute that we're sitting back and letting that thing grow and then tissue tissue, like when when somebody is in cardiac arrest, right, the longer they're in cardiac arrest, the longer that their tissue is not being oxygenated, their brain is not getting the oxygenation that it needs to stay alive. And so time is of the essence in these in these scenarios. And so you get programmed that you need to be operating at a quick pace that you can't just be sitting back. You have to make quick decisions. You have to be constantly moving forward, which really has served me very well in a lot of areas of my life because I can make quick decisions. I don't have to sit back and him and ha, I know, like, hey, this is what I'm doing. This is where I'm going. However, there are times where it is it is good to just slow down and, and not be so quick to do something, right? Yeah, I'm glad you brought that up. And that's true. And there's sometimes you have to be quick and on your feet. But I think in life in general, and like what you and I are trying to do, it's okay to slow down and and be more present so that you can take, you know what I mean? Take more and you were in the same group, right? So we're, if we're always constantly on the rush, right? I, I think it's difficult to be the best and most elite version of ourselves if we're always in a hurry, you know what I mean? Because we may miss Definitely. something, but I like yeah. what you're saying, right? When I can take the time to slow down, breathe and just be, you know, just be and be present. I think I learn more, you know what I mean? I am, I'm, I'm aware of more of what's going on around me and then how I can treat people and be a better human being, right? So that that to me is amazing. And I, like I said, I'm, I was so excited today when I was going to get you on the show and have and interview you and right because people are going to down the road, we're going to see this, they're going to see your cats and like, they're going to hear you talk about, yes, I got my, my, my masculine side, but I'm in touch with my feminine side, right? Which I know for you, and I know it's for me when I when I'm in touch with that side too makes my marriage so much better, right? Because then I I understand my partner a whole lot better instead of being like you know just like that old caveman, right? Hey, just suck it up. We're gonna go. You do what I say. Or, yeah. You know what I mean? How has that you know the breathwork benefited your marriage, Nick? Like how 
How much has that improved since you started this practice? I'd love to hear it. Yeah, tenfold. Just number one, really coming and sharing the breathwork with my wife, both coaching her in it and then also doing breathwork with her has been some of the most connective that I have been with my wife. Like we, I do some exercises in water with breathing that we, that we do together uh, where we support each other. And man, the connection that that brings, the love and connection that it brings in your marriage, it's been, it's just, you can't even explain it until you've experienced it. In fact, uh, our marriage retreat that we're going to be doing this next year is going to be a lot of connected breathwork exercises, some partner yoga stuff, some eye gazing stuff, a lot of that stuff that we've been developing uh, over the past couple of years through all this stuff we've been doing. And it, it has brought, now don't get me wrong, we still have struggles. I mean, we have our days where we are, we are not doing well. More often than not, we are we are getting to the point where we are super connective. It has just brought a level of connection in our marriage that I don't think that we would that we would have ever had, honestly, had we not been doing these modalities and using these things uh, to bring connection in our marriage. That's awesome to hear that. You know what I mean? And that's that even just strengthens my belief. No matter what we go through in life, things happen for a reason, right? Just hearing you share your story on your there's a reason that you left the fire service, right? And now look, your your marriage, like you said, more more so than not, more connection between you two than ever before, right? And I'm sure you're the same way with your kids. Uh, you know, it's kind of cool. I get to hear him. His son asked him if he could do something, whatever. And he said, yeah, after give me an hour, you know, and to hear your son say, I love you, dad. And you tell him I love you too. That shows me you've worked on all areas. Like you're connecting with everybody that comes into contact with you. I even feel more connected after our first call, you know, the first 30 minutes, we only did 30 minutes. And I was like, I like this Nick guy. He's got to come on my show. So there's a couple questions I like to ask my guests, Nick, and it's been a great show so far. Again, thank you for coming on and being a guest. It's such an, an honor and a privilege for me to have guys like you come on and share their story of where they came from and how change happened in their life and then how they've overcome those challenges. And, and now we're helping others and being are very successful at what they do and, and just trying to help other people do the same. So I wrote a book. It's called Fearless Happiness, as you can see on my little thing there. I like to ask my guests the first question, what does fearless, and I'm sure my audience is going, yeah, I know what he's going to ask him. Like he was a fireman. He doesn't have no fear, but what does fearless look like to you? And how does, you know, what does that mean to you? And what is, how does that show up in your life today now? Yeah. If you would have asked me this question five years ago, it would have been a completely different answer. But uh, I'm here to tell you that knowing what I know now, uh, to be fearless is to be completely embodied with love. Because when you have love, it overcomes all fear. And so we look to all these things and all this other stuff to uh, be fearless. A lot of people look to like, oh, I, I, I do this and I do that. When reality is, is if you can just encompass everything with love, I, I, then you will have no fear because perfect love overcomes all fear. I couldn't agree more. Love is always up here, right? Like the love for our children, the love for our wives, the love for our parents or whatever the case may be. Um, I love that answer. Thank you, Nick. The next answer or answer, excuse me, question is happiness. And that, as you see, I put a Y in it. What does happiness mean to you? And what does that look like for you? And how does that show up in your life on a daily basis? Knowing I put a Y in there. For me, what I've learned is happiness is to be where I want, when I want, with who I want, doing what I want. When I have that, then I have pure happiness. I have the people that I want to be surrounded with. I'm doing what I want to do. And at that point, like I, I don't think that it can get any better than that. I really right. don't. 
And that's like true success right there. When you can say that, right? Like I get to do what I want, when I want, with who I want, whenever I want. To me, that's my definition of of success. So thank you for sharing that. That's just, that's awesome. You hear that audience, right? Everybody's got their different, their different definitions of fearless and happiness, right? And just remember this, everybody, that happiness starts within. And if you heard Nick just now, that's something that has come from, I'm talking probably the deepest depths of his soul and he's worked on it and he continues to work on it. If someone wanted to work with you, right? And, and this, okay, say someone comes to me and says, hey, I want to go to Nick's retreat, bring my wife or whatever. How can people work with you? Where can they find you? Yeah, so there's uh, there's two places you can find me. Uh, the number one place is nickwingo.com. Um, I have a couple couple areas there. I have a free PDF that you can get on, on breathwork. It also has my men's retreat that I have coming up. And then walkasone.com, walkasone, the number one, not spelled out. So walkasone.com. Um, that will be where the marriage re- retreat will be announced. We haven't quite announced the dates on it. Okay. Uh, it's going to be first quarter next year. We're just working out some details of it right now. But uh, yeah, that's coming soon. That's going to be down in uh, our favorite spot, Playa del Carmen. I'm so excited about that one. That one is going to be a really exciting time. So where's that located, if I may ask? Yeah, it's uh, just down from Cancun, uh, Mexico. So we're, we're going to oh, be doing wow. it. In, yeah, we're going to be doing it in, a, in an area that's been really special to us that has really, we've had a lot of stuff that we've gone through there. And, and so we're excited to share our, some pretty cool experiences down there. That's awesome. Did you hear that, everybody? Down by Cancun. You can't beat it. <laughs> yep. That's awesome, Nick. I'm excited, you know, for this stuff you got going on. And and I'm definitely going to reach out to you and learn more about the breath work because I know that's something I could definitely use in my life, especially, you know, now being a grandpa of almost 10. So I better yeah. be more present and, and learn how to <laughs> breathe through all the craziness that grandkids bring, but all the fun stuff too. You know what I mean? So so one thing I like to do with my uh, guest, Nick, is ask you to give my audience one piece of advice. So if there's one piece of advice you could give my audience that will help them grow as a human being, right, to be a better person, what would that piece of advice be? Be open to other perspectives other than your own, because you don't know it all. You don't know all the things. And when you open your world to all the other possibilities, you might be surprised at how much you can learn and maybe how um, jaded your thinking was. Do you hear that, audience? Open-mindedness will get you a long way, right? Be open because not one way always works for somebody, right? We got to be open. Thank you, Nick, for that. that. That's amazing. And couldn't have said it better myself. Everybody, if you got something out of this, if Nick made you smile, if he made you think, please leave a review. And so they can find us here uh, and I can interview more awesome people like Nick, but be much appreciated until next time, everybody. Thanks for joining us on the fearless happiness podcast. I will see you all next time. Have a great day.